0: Good morning, each and every one of you. I know that there's circumstances and this going on in this world and situations of harmness and hurt and heartache. But we're hoping, Lord, that those someone listening would understand and come to the knowledge of your truth. I want to open this morning with a text of scripture from Isaiah. I'm just setting the background, so don't second guess where I'm going. But in Isaiah, the sixth chapter, it says, How ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. And they shall be afraid, pains, and sorrow shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinner's. Thereof out of it, for the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give her light; their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wickedness for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughty, haughtiness of the terrible. What verse? Yes. What no, you said Isaiah 6? It's Isaiah. Th- I had 13, 6 through 11. Did I say wrong? Yeah. But anyway, make a note and go on. And I want to notice that all of this is as a result or consequences of sin. And sin as being the consequences of sin are being foretold. In the 13th chapter of Isaiah, in verse 9, and I'm not reading the t- whole text to save a little time, but it says, The day of the Lord is cruel, with wrath and fierce, angry. He shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. And again in verse 11, i will punish the world for their evil and certainly we can see what may be coming down the road behold in isaiah 24 1 through 6 and again i'm not going to read it all but the it covers Those six verses in particular. The first verse of that chapter says, Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. Skipping then to the third verse, it says, The land shall be utterly emptied. The haughty people of the earth do languish in verse 8. In verse 9, it says, Therefore has the cursed devoured the earth, and they shall dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. We might ask why God created the earth beautiful and everything, it says, according to Genesis, it was good. But it says because they have transgressed the laws in verse 5, which I skipped, they've changed the ordinances, they've broken the everlasting covenant. And so God is wroth with the evilness of men. We might think, well, what? How do we compare that to what we see in today's society, today's world? And it would be very tempting. So, whoa, I say, whoa, do I dare go there? But I won't leave you in total suspense because we see what's going on. And certainly with what's going on in the world with and what we read and see. It used to be that we could read, we could see. And we could almost understand that there was truth in the circumstances that they were talking about, uh, whether it be on the radio or television or whatever means, but not so anymore. We see all kinds of corruption, lying. Do this. And such and such will happen. Others say, no, do this. And the evilness is really perplexing when we look at it. But we're going to stop there. Because we see people, as we look at the populations of the world, they're literally trampling upon the word of God. Changing in every form, almost. And certainly, it's seemingly that God is not in government and governments anymore. And even though our foundings may have been on those pilgrims, where many of them were Puritans. And even some of them are believed to have even been Sabbath keepers. But we're not going to conjecture there any further. But certainly, it's not so today. They're trampling man changing God's word to fit what they feel. is fit for the convenience at the moment. We see men practicing whatever seemingly is convenient. So all of the evil we see today is basically covered in Isaiah chapter 5. And I'm going to just allude to a few more verses there. And then I'll tell you exactly what I'm going to be talking about. But in Isaiah 5 and 20, it says that the time would come when men would call evil good and good evil. And can you deny that that's not what's happening in today's society? In the 21st verse, it says, Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes. And we think that, we see so many people thinking that they know better than everybody else. And prudent in their own sight. Verse 23 and down, they justify the wicked for reward that take away the righteousness of the righteousness. Righteous. That is what the scripture says. But then we see the, and I'm going to term it as the boiling anger of the Lord because of their wickedness. Sounds about the same as we see in today's society. I'm thoroughly convinced that truth is not so much in society and the land. Truth is a very aspect an important aspect in the Christian's life that is too often taken far too lightly by the everyday Christian. I see the tendencies, even within Sabbath-keeping groups, to water down the truth. But truth should be very important to you. And today I'm talking about how important is truth to you. I'm taking perhaps a little different approach than some would think, but I want to ask the question, how important is it after reading those horrendous things that's happening to man because of their disobedience, because of the fact they've broken the laws of God and the covenants and they've changed it and everything else, doing as they're pleased and whatever they feel is right. What the question might be in such a society, are you seeking the absolute truth and the unaltered biblical truth as portrayed in the scriptures? And are you willing to diligently seek truth as you study scripture? I see so many in the world, and this is not in my notes, but you can, it fits in right here. We see people studying and are the two major ways of studying the scripture, and I've seen people in society as I've come in contact over the years and in this church or that church or wherever I was, might be at the time, some people are studying the scriptures to prove what they believe, not what studying the scripture for what God says they should believe. Trying to prove themselves. So it's important. I wanted to share with you just a few texts this morning on the relative to truth, what the benefits to man is. In 2 Timothy 3.19, Timothy, was told from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's able, wisdom brings wisdom, not knowledge per se, but wisdom. And after all, wisdom is more important than just knowledge. In John 8 and 32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So if that's the case, then it must be that truth gives us freedom, brings about freedom. In John 7:17 7, and verse 19 the word spoken there it says sanctify them through thy truth thy word is truth I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth Going to Proverbs, the fourth chapter, verse 20 and 22. The admonition was, my son, attend to my words, incline thy ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. And they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Attend to the words, seeking truth. So God's word is truth. God's words gives us life and sanctification and even rebirth. If we'll listen, God's words gives us instructions that we might attain eternal life. That is how important really truth is. It is evident that truth should be of the utmost importance to us. Not something that we just think about here and yonder. We should da- seek daily and even check ourselves out once in a while. But we've looked at some consequences up front in the introductory. But that truth rejected brings about. Serious consequences. And we see the results of rejecting what is true biblical knowledge as we study on. And clearly, we know that we're told that Satan goes about like a roaring lion. We're told that Satan is at work. He knows that he has a, but a short time for all the deceptions and captivations. So I want to notice that actually you can just carefully read the Second Thessalonians, the 2nd chapter, almost entire, in its entirety at least. But I'm just going to highlight a couple of few verses beginning with verse 2 it indicates it tells them to not be shaken in mind and troubled not in the spirit nor word or letter and we know that that was a mission to paul to this church but the same is true today because we're told that scripture was written before time that we might have knowledge and understanding and to search it faithfully. Third verse talks about that the coming of the Lord will not happen until a fallen away comes first. And it's sad to think, but God knew that just as Israel had been so unfaithful time and again, and you can read through Scripture all the way through, and when God, uh, Israel, God's chosen people at the time, were faithful, they were blessed. But there come cursings and all kinds of wars and infighting and totally walking away from God in many senses. Verse 9, skipping to 9, it says, Those coming is after the works of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. There are those in the world today that totally and absolutely, are I can't even hardly explain, they're just totally corrupt. And they're trying to corrupt society, governments, nations of this world and little do they know that they're actually a tool of the devil. That there would be this deceitfulness of unrighteous in them that perish. And they that receive not the love of the truth in verse 10. Seriousness. Those that are not willing to receive the truth has serious consequence. That they might be damned to believe not the truth, but have pleasure in unrighteousness. Do I need to say anything about so much of the pleasures of this world? And at one time, there was some good, wholesome Stories, radios, and even television. But I'm appalled after weeks and weeks and weeks of never even looking, not even the news on a local channel. The corruptness that we see in the programming, it's so trashy that it's unimaginable. But that they may be damned not believing the truth and having pleasure. Oh, so terrible and bad. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren. So those that are faithful, he's willing to give thankfulness to. Because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. It's in verse 12. In Titus, the first chapter, 14 and 15, They were being warned to not give heed to Jewish fables, but we see every other kind of fable that doesn't have to originate from the Jewish people. And, and the commandments of men, and turn from the truth. That's ever concludes everybody that's potentially out there unto the pure in verse 13 all things are pure but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure but even their mind and consciousness is defiled. And we see it in society. It should be a warning to us. We know Probably it would be impossible at least somehow it's ingrained in me to always come back to Second Timothy the fourth chapter three and four when it tells us that the time would come when they will not endure sound doctrines we see it in the world among church organizations and after their own lust, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears? It's a sad comment, but really, if you want to know the real truth from a pulpit's view, you can't probably realize where some people. have come to that place where they bear pressure that, well, if you're going to preach about this, I'll just, me and my family won't show up. Or whatever. And so they tried to to throttle or bind up the freeness of the spoken word, they shall turn away their truth ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. It happens religiously as well as in society, and what we're being told. And basically the definition to me of fable is something that is utterly false and an un, a nice word to say, biblical perspective. Nothing but a lie. A fable is a falsehood or a lie. And again in Revelations 21.8, we're told that all liars shall have their part in the lake which birth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So we can see the seriousness there. Carrying a little further, how significant is truth to you? To us, I want to. We know that truth must be biblical based. Not any conjecture or what I may think, but biblically based. Matthew 5 and verse 9, the latter part of the verse speaking there I believe in vain they do, do worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men a danger so it should be a significant. First Thessalonians 5:21 tells us to prove all things. And hold fast to that which is good. To prove. And to hold fast. That's how important. Your souls. Your life. Is and how it depends. Upon being faithful. And seeking truth in all things. So again. Truth. Is not what. I think, or youth might think, we can come to all kinds of things if we sit back and reason with ourselves, but that's not really wise because it's not what is biblical. And it's not what I believe or what you believe. It's what the scripture has to say. Don't build upon conjecture. And I've heard many of them take scriptures and conject all kinds of things that the scripture doesn't really say. Or hypothetical situations. Rather it's what saith the Lord, that really counts. Man must prove and reject untruth. Again in Romans 12 and 2, prove that is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we have two texts of Scripture that's basically... Admonishing us to hold fast. But now I notice it says to prove what is good. Not only what is good, but what is acceptable. And the perfect will of God. John 4, 23 and 24. The scripture says, for the hour cometh and now he is where the wrong worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. But the Father seeketh such to worship him. But notice in spirit and truth, not some mumble-jumble conjecture. So in the... Proper conjecture of Scripture. We must prove and reject. Remember, that's key words approve. Prove and reject all untruths. We have to prove that. What we're reading or believing is true, especially any more than the written and the vocal media that we hear today. In Galatians 6 and verse 4, it says, let every man prove his works. We read in Scripture, after Scripture, different places, that God is a particular God. He wants things done His way, not what we might think best. And you can remember... Some Old Testament instances perhaps. Where Israel was told to go out and utterly destroy their enemy. And it sounds very cruel because man, woman, children and animals and everything. And they come back and the prophet, well we did what the Lord said. And the prophet said, what meaneth the bleeding of the sheep? They didn't follow the full instructions completely. They done reasoned themselves. So God is a precise God. The concept or attitude that's no harm has to be totally rejected. Cannot be helped. In effect, if no other thing is remembered, it's either God's way or your highway to everlasting destruction. Follow God or you're going to be going down that broad highway straight to destruction. The modern so-called Christian churches churches. Are full of untruth and to be truthfully called lies, deceit, and untruthfulness. And we see many examples. We could go down the list, but we hear to keep it simple. There's all kinds of ways to baptize and they think it's all okay. Not necessarily God's way, but every way. Sprinkling, pouring, whatever. We could take the Sabbath and Sunday. There's nothing nothing but based on basically conjecture of man, which is actually untruthful. We could throw in the holidays, the pagan things that originated from old ancient Babylon that they drug into the church so that these heathens could be compatible with. And God is not pleased with it. That's just three to name a few, and that should be samples enough. In Isaiah twenty-four and verse five, we read a very similar verse in earlier in an earlier chapter in Isaiah. But now he says, "The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinances, and broke the everlasting covenant." That's what God says, and we can see it if we look for it. The truth in today's world. God calls us to wake up when He said in John 1717, 17, "Thy word is truth." In Romans 13.11. Again it says. Knowing in the time. That now it is high time. To awake. Out of sleep. It goes on to tell us in the latter part of the verse. That salvation. Is nearer than when we believed. But he also says in verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Get busy, be watchful, wakeful, and be careful to not be deceived. Because it says that if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. Another scripture says when he comes, will he find faith on earth? It's serious, very serious. Man turning from the truth. Clearly, first Timothy, going back to Timothy, and John's writing to the young Timothy. It says, now the spirit speaketh expressively in the latter times, some should depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and how many people have you known over the years that seemingly was doing a christian walk and then turned utterly utterly turn away to the wickedness of the world give up all concept of Religious, almost agnostics, and so on. First Peter put it pretty bluntly in seventeen, and later in part of eighteen. In First Peter four seventeen, it says the time has come; the judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not not the gospel of God? Ask a serious question. What's going to happen? Truth and its significance. If you reject the truth, please ponder what is your destiny? We've read it in the introduction, and I think that it should be well brought brought out in the latter part of Revelations. That it's not good; it's not going to be pleasant. Another text in verse eighteen that I. Mentioned there in Timothy, it says, "And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? That tells me that the righteous may be very scarcely be saved. So as the old expression goes, Don't ever think that you've got it made in the shade. You can sit back and take easy. You've got to be continuous until either your days upon this earth ends or Christ comes. And if you are found untruthful and not living according to the truth you can face those serious consequences. So we've seen that truth gives wisdom. It gives us freedom. And directions of purpose and hope. Through the truth we have hope of salvation. We have hope of eternal life in the kingdom. Truth is important. Don't forget to examine all teachings because Satan is very deceitful. Don't try to second guess God. Don't try to think that, well, in today's time, surely he would do something a little different. No, his word said such and such. That was the truth, and the truth shall stand forever. As far as God, he changed not. The truth is ultimately very significant to each and every one of us. Don't. Don't. Neglect searching in God's word for truth and the pure truth. Don't forget to examine all teachings. And primarily by teachings, that's those teachings of man that we may read about or see on television or whatever. Examine everything. And it's been said in times past. And brethren used to hear to it. Everybody, and maybe not so much within our church, but at least they'd show up in church with a Bible and they would check to see if the preacher was actually saying what was true. And now I've heard sermons of 45 minute sermon. Maybe two scriptures and a whole bunch of conjectures in between. Some of it was true, some of it may not be. Search. Don't try to second guess God. And most of all, don't try to add or take away from His Word. Amen. Trying to make it say something that it does not say. And we see that. Being done. So, may I ask you this morning, everyone that might be listening, how important is truth to you? Ponder this question today, tomorrow, and every day of your life. And in closing, I'd like to share a reading that I found, and I'm sorry I don't know the source of it. I found it in something that I was playing with in PowerPoint, in an old scripture note, and I said, what is this? And man, it fit perfectly today with the message. This little article three paragraphs, to what are you listening? A naturalist walking with his friend through the busy streets of a great city, stopped suddenly and asks, do you hear a cricket? Of course not, laughed his friend. You could never hear a cricket. With all of this roar of traffic. But I hear a cricket, persisted the naturalist, and turning over a stone, he uncovered the insect. Did you actually hear the cricket chip chirping above the noise of the street? asked his friend in astonishment. Certainly, said the naturalist. I spent my time listening to nature, whether I am in the forest, the field, or the town. Everyone hears what he listens for. Taking a coin from his pocket, he dropped it on the pavement. And each passerby put his hand in his pocket to see if he was the one who had dropped it. They were listening for coins. What a lesson. If we are listening for the truth, for that which is stimulating, elevating, inspiring, we will hear it. Even above the noise and bustle of this busy world, above the din of lies, tattling of gossip, So commonly heard by many. And if our ears are attuned to scandal, backbiting, and false reports, we will hear that. Regardless of how loudly the principles of love, justice, and truth may be proclaimed in our directions. May the Lord bless